Craggy Island Rugby, episode 8. We're standing in the VIP car park queue for the press. And, uh, Which is mainly us, mainly us by ourselves. <laughs> yes, mainly us. Uh, there's one other person in our queue. Dennis Laffey is on the podcast. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, no well. No problem. <laughs> there, you there you go. He had a busy day as well. We'll get to that in a minute. Joe Healy is joining us as a special guest. Thanks, Joe. No problem. But disappointing this afternoon, Rob. Uh, the possibility of a performance like that should never have been allowed to be introduced into the psyche of Connacht is the feeling I'm coming away with. Yeah. I'm disappointed because Connacht have allowed themselves to perform at a level that's so far below what they've done all season to date. I'm convinced that the management will be furious. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I guess the point there to take that on, Dennis, is you know we could easily just accept this one as, yeah, this was always going to get away from us. Let's see how we go again against Ospreys but it's just the manner of the performance that's the concern isn't it yeah I mean you know uh, Connick fans here will, will think back you know five six years ago seven years ago when there was there was two Connick sides involved in Connick rugby the one that went out and performed and one that went out and didn't um, what we saw tonight you know it, it'll worry Connick fans because it'll you know, we don't want to get back to the days of, of two teams. We want to get, we want to maintain a consistency. We want to maintain a standard of performance that players will feel that they have to answer to when, whenever they pull on that jersey, whenever they step onto that pitch in front of the Connick fans. Joe, you said to me in the first half, the tries coming from Exeter, good as they well, good as they were, they were coming too easy. Like they were too easy, and there was an air of inevitability about them once they started moving the ball around the place. I felt Connacht were a bit naive in that first half. Um, I thought at half back we were poor in terms of our decision making and execution. Uh, we never really came to came to terms with that rush defence that Exeter were uh, uh, enforcing onto the Connacht play. Never really started turning that defence until Jack Carty came on and the second half I felt yeah Jack Jack Carty came on he, he, his 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 influence had a had a marked um difference on the game you know he, he was seeking the space behind the the on oncoming uh, Chiefs defence and, and that 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 made a difference uh, however little it was it did probably add to the fact that the Chiefs were very disjointed in the last half hour because they didn't expect to be trailing back and trying to collect kicks for most of the last 20 minutes they thought they had done all the hard work they actually had to work harder in the last half hour than they did for most of the first match well in a, in a bizarre sort of a way you have to give Connacht huge credit because they were beaten off the park at that stage 33 yeah. points had been shipped and they just didn't go away they battened down the hatches and they kept plugging away and they kept turning up for the tackles they kept turning up to play the ball and eventually Fionn Kerr got his reward so in that respect we can be proud but it was earlier that the damage was done and having said that that that's actually the only real positive to take away from this, in my opinion, is that if Connacht look at their own performance, they'll be disgusted with it. But they'll be disgusted in the context that they know they can do better. And if they do better, they can beat Exeter in, in Galway. No question about it. Yeah, and it'll be interesting maybe to talk about the return fixture and also talk about next week as well. Let's drop in some chats that we had. Dennis, you were you were working hard. I, I just threw you in at the deep end there. You had to go off and gather interviews while I was doing commentary. How did you, you fare? Oh, no, it was, it was grand. I mean, the Exeter fans are ready to chat away to us and uh, no a very friendly bunch and we had great crack with them Alright here's uh, the story of the game through the eyes of Dennis and the Connick fans on that terrace on the far side who made plenty of noise as much as they could anyways and uh, got a great reception from the team at the end 
Okay, so we're here today with Ronan Byrne and John Locklear, who's ex-captain of Exeter and an ex-president of the Supporters Club. So, John, if you look at the current Premiership table, Exeter are bordered on both sides what, by what could be termed uh, well-funded clubs. As an Exeter supporter and as an ex-player, you must be very proud of the organic growth of Exeter over the last few years. It seems to be a stable uh, momentum that you've built up and uh, an exciting future uh, in front of you. Yeah, um, we've come from very humble roots. We are still a members club, which is wonderful. We're not owned by one person. Every member of our club owns one share in the club. We were very fortunate that we owned our own ground and we were able to sell that six or seven years ago to build this wonderful stadium. We never lose sight of the fact that we are a rugby club. We're not a rugby team. We don't just concentrate on one team. We've got the Braves, which is our seconds. We've got Colts. We've got youth, etc. But what we are also very keen in this professional era, and we know it's a business, and we've got directors that run this very efficiently, that we keep up these traditions like you're seeing today, which is the camaraderie and the lovely ethos of mixing with the visitors, making sure you're welcome, making sure that when we come to Connaught, you're going to look after us. All the old adages of rugby come into this, and we think it's so important. We obviously all want to win. We've got a good side. We act within our budget. We do not go into the red. Our players, a lot of them are local players, so the supporters can link with the local people. We've not gone to Australia and New Zealand every time we want a new player. We try to create our own players. We've got a wonderful academy system. And in the end, we're a smashing rugby club. Now, we might not win the European Cup and we might not win the Aviva, but we're pretty happy here. That's the main thing. Just going back to um, players that you have or have not brought in, um, there's a couple of Connacht guys involved, ex-Connacht players involved in, in the team today. Uh, you have Sturgis uh, on the bench and Vinicolo as well, and, and also an ex-Ulster player in Ian Witten. Um, how, how have the Irish guys uh, fitted into uh, Exeter? Well, we were very fortunate because, of course, we've got a very good number 10, haven't we? And Gareth Steenson's a very, very Irish boy. I think he's Dungannon boy. He's an Ulster boy, right? right. So we were very fortunate when he came along seven or eight years ago. But these Irish boys have fitted in so well. They're good players. And I think Ian Witten is one of the best players we've got in the club. And I think Ireland should have been looking at him. And I definitely think before a uh, month or two ago, when Phil Dolman, who's a very good Welsh player, he should have been involved with the Welsh squad. And they don't, they don't seem to realise what a good player is. But that's all other people's connections. We're most important how well they play for Exeter. We try to do the right thing for Exeter. Exeter Chiefs, the way we run the club, it's the best way we can run it for ourselves. And as I've said before, we stay in the black, we don't spend money that we haven't got, and we got this wonderful following of eight or nine thousand people here every home game. When we travel away, we took 450 to buy on last week. So we got the right ethos, I think. Yeah, I think, I think just say, uh, I think Exeter are there. There's, there's a lot of similarities between Exeter and Connacht in that they are very much like they're, they're, they're like a province. Ultimately, in, in the southwest, they are the, the preeminent uh, club site in, in the southwest. Okay, Cornish people might have a bit of a, 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 an issue with it, but you know they, they have a very strong brand and they reach out into the into Devon and Dorset and, yeah. and the surrounding areas to, to, to bring supporters in. Like, just speaking about uh, rugby traditions, there you've been following Connacht. Uh, abroad for, for many years now. How have you found um, the travelling support? Um, has it grown over the last couple of years? Is there better crack at the away matches? Is there a bit more organisation? Uh, definitely better organisation, of course. Um, uh 
you know the the community has grown you can see it you know every game we every time we travel like there's a there are a nucleus of supporters who will travel uh, to, to most games but and then you have the exceptional games the to, to lose games where you know we have five or six hundred supporters which is exceptional for uh, for uh, like you know Exeter uh, they reach out into the into, into the county but we reach out into six five counties and then our supporters are spread in the rest of Ireland as well and abroad and uh, uh, you know the diaspora the Kong diaspora you know they, they, they call call in from every part of uh, of Europe uh, when we travel to France and, and you get to see all, all these people you only ever get to see it as uh, as away games it's, it's a unique unique experience it's about 15 minutes now towards kickoff and I'm just going to do a quick roundup of what people think is going to happen in a match Kieran McDonald, how do you think the game is going to pan out? Very tight, Connacht win, five or six points. Kieran Patterson, how do you think the game is going to pan out? Strong Chiefs line up here. Uh, I'd be happy with a try bonus point, frankly, but I'd be, or, sorry, a losing bonus point. But yeah, it's winnable, but not really winnable. <laughs> okay. Connacht by four, somehow, and uh, Dara Leader for a brace of tries. All right, uh, I'm, 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 in, I'm in the I'm in the terrace. It's just about ten minutes to kick off. I'm here with Random Rob. Random Rob's going to give us his viewpoints on on how he thinks the match is going to pan out. Uh, I can see uh, Exeter today. It will start well, uh, but recently they haven't had an 80-minute game. And I know Connor of uh, pretty good uh, away record, so I reckon Exeter will be holding on at the last ten minutes, and it'll be pretty tight. Okay, so it's half time and, and Connacht are 19-6 down. Uh, Ronan, what's going wrong? Why, why are Connacht leaking tries here? We're, we're th- three tries down. Uh, well, I don't think um, Exeter look uh, uh, particularly dangerous in general play, but when they've got into the into R22, they've come away with three tries, um, and we've just turned over possession a little bit too easily. We've uh, made too many errors. Uh, not, we're not playing heads up rugby. We're not. We're not. You know, uh, we're playing a bit too much uh, form in rugby. And I think Porter, particularly at nine, is a bit guilty. Not, not, not being aware of what's, what's going on around him. Instead of chucking the pass out, he's not looking to, to looking for breaks. Uh, he's kept behind the extra defence. Um, and then. You know, as I say, I think uh, it's just a bit too predictable at the minute. The team sheet would have had uh, McSharry at, at 12 and Henshaw at 13. Um, we actually started with Pullman at 12 uh, and, and Carr has been drafted in to cover at 14 uh, with Knee on the opposite wing. Do you think that that um, sudden last-minute change has led to some kind of disorganisation in the backs? I don't know. To be honest, they've they, they looked all right. They look pretty fluid, but not really, uh, not really dangerous. Um, I, I, I just think we're a little bit, a little bit predictable uh, in terms of our in terms of our face play and stuff. It's just all it's all like rock uh, pass out uh, the back line. We're not trying to play the ball behind Exeter at all. You know, uh, we've, we've, there's been one kick behind the defence to, to, to try turn them. Okay, while we're dropping audio in, uh, I spoke to the uh, local rugby commentator for BBC Devon, Nigel, who had a great old insight into how his team have progressed over the last few years and why they won the game today as well. So let's have a listen to that as well. Nigel Warrant, uh, who is a uh, commentator with BBC Devon, isn't that correct? That's correct, yes. Thanks a million for joining us on Craggy Island uh, Rugby. You were sitting beside me here today and talk about contrasting commentaries because you guys are looking at a quite comfortable victory. Uh, we'll talk about the last 30 minutes. You'll probably be a bit frustrated with that, but this was good from the Chiefs today. Yes, it was. I mean, they put out a very strong um, side today. They, they had a much weaker side against Bayonne last week. This was more like a full-strength um, Chiefs side. So, you know, the supporters would have expected them to win this afternoon and, and hopefully get the bonus. 
but um, Connors, I thought they struggled to hang on to the ball for long enough to build any pressure on Exeter. I think if they could have uh, cut out the handling errors and, and, and put some pressure on the Chiefs, it might have been a different game, but uh, Exeter just lived off their errors, really, and, and they got some really young, talented backs, Chiefs, and, and, and they made uh, they punished, really, Connors for the mistakes they made. I suppose from our perspective, which will give you an interesting kind of insight from another view, we, we felt the uh, Chiefs just looked absolutely certain of scoring every time they had a line-out in the 22 in the first half, and crucially, that score right on the stroke of half-time. I said in the build-up to it, if the Chiefs score here, this is game over, and it was game over. Yeah, that was the killer score, wasn't it? It's, uh, you know, Exeter perhaps lost their way a little bit towards the end of that first half, but once Damien Welch got that touchdown and put a bit of uh, clear water between Exeter and Connor, it meant that they could come out for the second half and really just go looking for the bonus point. Um, whereas, if, if they hadn't got that try, it would have still been very close at half-time, and they would have had to concentrate more on just trying to win the game rather than uh, trying to get the four points. This is one of the best back rows probably in English rugby you have going here, isn't it? you got yours there, Waldron was outstanding and, and like throughout the game Ben White was brilliant as well. Yeah, it's, it's I mean Dave Ewers, there's talk of him being in when uh, Stuart Langston names some uh, injury replacements tomorrow for the Autumn Internationals. There's talk of Dave Ewers being amongst that list in the morning so that remains to be seen. Thomas Waldron has just totally revitalised since he left Leicester. When, when Chiefs signed him I wonder what they were doing because the Thomas Waldron I saw playing for Leicester at the end of last season I just thought he looks like a man whose career is coming to an end but I think that was all down to a breakdown of the relationship with Richard Cockrell and and since he's come here as you can see today he's a a totally different player I mean really he should be looking at getting England recognition in these autumn internationals he's the kind of player who just goes and bursts he'll give you a massive burst and he'll just rest quietly and he'll go again I thought it was was, I thought it was really funny towards the end there when he had two Connacht players herring down his (laughs) neck chasing the ball back towards his own try line he was dying for that ball to cross the line so he could just dot it down because if he'd had to pick up five metres out that would have got quite interesting but yeah he's a real character I mean he was a big favourite with the uh, the Welford Road crowd and, and he's become a big favourite here as well I think it's five tries this season um, and as you said blend that with uh, White and Ewers and you think someone like Dean Mum Australian international still to come back who can also play in the back row things are looking very pretty It seems to set up a cracking game in Galway too and there should be a big Chiefs crowd over it for that I, think. I mean the group's brilliant isn't it every team has got a victory so far so I mean Chiefs are on top at the moment but it, it's so delicately poised the back-to-back fixture is going to be crucial in December Exeter got La Rochelle uh, Connors have got Bayon I think a lot of this group is going to be decided by what teams the clubs put out because you know when we get to December you know Connor are going to have Pro 12 games in and around there Exeter are going to have Premiership games so it's whether the two coaches uh, in those December matches feel that they can put out strong sides or whether they're going to rest and rotate a little bit and, that, and that's going to influence this group heavily Last point uh, a lot of our, uh, us were you know, in the West and, and in Irish rugby remember when the Chiefs got promoted we were probably watching it in late May on Sky Sports and, and, and Tom Hayes was a big man there yeah. and you know someone that uh, you know people just maybe a lot of rugby people just went oh my god John Hayes brother is a pretty impactful player can you believe how far the, the team have come in such a short space of time I mean the venue here the atmosphere and the level of rugby you're playing at winning four from six and being a challenger in, in the Premiership like. No you have to keep pinching yourself you know the, the, the recent years when they've been playing the likes of Toulon and, and, and Leinster and, and Clermont Auvergne um, but the, the great thing is all the years they've been in the Premiership they've never really got into relegation no, trouble it's all, they've always no. really been looking at the top half of the table and that's the thing that's hard to believe you know you would have expected them for, for several years to be in and around you know just above that relegation zone but they're setting their sights higher third in the table at the moment when they resume league action they've got a trip to Leeds Northampton so nice. if they could win that then you, you might 
might be looking at top two but uh, Tommy Hayes has had a lot to do with that success he was a fantastic leader here hugely popular with the crowd such a, a sad way to see him end his career through injury because he would have been the man leading them last year into that LV Cup success that they enjoyed and uh, he's gone back home now which uh, you know he's, people are missing him around here because he's such a lovely guy yeah last point you do realise that you're looked upon from Connacht as a model and what we could have achieved what we can achieve because without a massive budget you've built a team with a real hard work ethic and we like there's a lot of talk we constantly we're going to look what the Chiefs are doing why can't Connacht do that yeah I mean Rob Bax has always had this 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 policy that the pundits always bang on about he doesn't make enough marquee signings and Exeter can't make progress until he does but he he proves them wrong all the time he brings in young hungry players people like Thomas Waldron who's still got something to prove in the game um, and, and he's picked up a couple of championship players this season uh, who've come straight into Premiership Rugby Mitch Lees and Thomas Francis who've been outstanding um, and, and, and it's it, it's all down to what he instills in the players and, and the type of people it's, it's a very friendly happy club and, and he doesn't want people coming into that setup that's going to ruin that and, that and that's the key to the success here Nigel look forward to welcoming yourself and the Chiefs fans over to Galway in January should be a bit of crack yeah really looking forward to my trip over there never been to Connacht's ground so, uh, and I wish Connacht all the best in their fixtures in December that's a full bag of audio Dennis that was good work you, you spoke to both a captain and an ex president of the fan club as well was that what you said? yeah in the, in, in, in the one person he's, some he's, combination in that he's, he's, he's both an ex captain of the club and uh, an ex-president of the fan club, uh, a player and a fan. It's a, a perfect, a perfect uh, guy to uh, talk to about Exeter rugby. Joe, you almost have that because you're you're an ex-player and I, I guess I'm guessing probably captain Galwegians at some point somewhere along the way. And on top of that, you're president now of the club, so you're, you're fine. Yeah, there's rooms. only one way to go from here, and that's down, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. So, does does a ball, there is something I like different? The, I like that, Rob. I like that, Rob. Agreed with that. You know, you're only going down from here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> Present company excluded. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean it to sound like that. Uh, yeah, we're, there's a lot of birds in the trees here beside this bus stop. We're waiting for a bus. Hey, Joe, this is some stadium, isn't it? We've been to a few around England. It's a great setup. Yeah, it's a magnificent stadium. Wonderful facilities. Um, great uh, entertainment facilities for all the fans. The bars around the various uh, sections of the stands and the stands it's, themselves are really beautifully appointed. Everyone has a clear view of the pitch. It's a wonderful setup. It really is. It's a credit to them here. We came in to the press area today and uh, we, we were met by uh, the press officer's dad who was stepping in for him while he was busy with doing a few other things and he took us out. Great welcome. Told us we get one pass to take what uh, take to, to go to one food stand and there's about five of them. Whichever food stand we want it is whatever food we wanted. Great setup. One of the best commentary positions we've probably had in a couple of years as well. Yeah, very, yeah, very well appointed and uh, all the facilities there, the various ISDN lines and so on, uh, all uh, laid on, so it was ideal. Yeah. Do you know what I loved? The Fionkar try, the reception the extra Chiefs fans gave it. You know, a real huge round of applause for some good class. Yeah, I know. The, the, all, all the Chiefs fans around me in the stand were were saying, well done, that it was a wonderfully worked try. Mm. You know, it, it, was, it was very individual, but, you know, a fair play to Fionn, it was, it was top-class stuff. Our bus is here. We might continue this on the bus, lads. Okay. This is a podcast on the move. We have to get a flight. We just to fill you in. We we flew over at uh, six a.m. this morning. It's not all glamour here, Dennis. We had to start at three a.m. Yeah, flew, flew yeah. at six. No, I, I don't know why. I don't know why you did it like that, Rob. Why didn't you do it better? 
Yeah, Joe, Joe's actually, yeah, Joe's, Joe's, Joe's perked up. I want to hear an answer to that question. <laughs> Why aren't I in the Maldron Hotel with the rest of the Connick team? In, in fairness... We're saving money for Bayon. In fairness, uh, you know, what else would we be doing on a Saturday except, you know, spending the entire day travelling, except for a tiny bit where you watch your team lose? <laughs> on the plus side, there is an hour, get, we get an hour back in the morning when we get home at midnight, so I'll do something. Anyways, we better get on this bus. disappointing here today but on top of that there's a huge game to come next week I guess you just got to get them refocused as quickly as possible within six days eh? yeah exactly you know we, you know, uh, you know I've often said well, we keep saying that we, uh, when we do our jobs we're, we're a good team and we all got to do that fortunately today you know we went up to scratch and um, you know but we just got to take the learnings and, and move on and, and deal with the, the challenge we have now and um, and you know focus now on the Ospreys Europe is uh, you know still well and truly alive and we'll mm. deal with that in, in December but uh, you know, now we regroup bring um, bring back the guys we rested and um, and uh, get our strongest side out against Ospreys uh, for championship points just overall did you did you fear this could happen was this in your kind of uh, in oh, thought process like? yeah no, we knew we, but you know we, we had to like all the other teams I mean I know you know last week Exeter had to make changes as well most teams did you have to manage the squad and mm. and uh, uh, and we knew what, what a quality side and they would they would you know I think London Irish got spanked here Harlequins got spanked and it's a hard place to come and win but you know we had to do uh, make sure that we um, managed the week like like I said during last week and finally can you take some positives are there any positives to, I'm yeah. sure there's a few like. yeah no I had a look at I had a look at the game and um, you know again just a couple of errors here and there and and uh, system errors on defence and you know all their five tries come on the back of our, our mistakes and uh, mm. so uh, you know uh, again we, we said it straight on we, we got a game plan ready already uh, on uh, sort of Ospreys Monday we get in just take a quick review and then focus in on the Ospreys part two of our podcast we're now in Bristol airport incidentally uh, Dennis the uh, entire Toulouse contingent seem to be in here as well after their win over Bath it's funny how the uh, different paths cross a year on from that great win from Connacht yeah I was surprised you didn't uh, mention it to them Rob I wanted to mention it but yeah. you, thought, you thought better of it well you know they're they're a lot bigger than both of us put together Rob so I, I you know you gotta, you gotta bear that kind of thing in mind. If when you're, you're telling me to pick my battles, that's difficult. There aren't too many battles out there I can pick. Anyways, Joe, uh, I just want to actually want to talk to you about supporters as well. But before, maybe just take up a couple of points we were chatting about in the car on the way down. What about the uh, positives from today? And there were a few. Like in the second half, the combo of Keelan Blade and Jack Cardi was was really something to take away from the game. And go well when they came on, when they matched up together, kind of looked a little bit sharp. They did, and. Um if they can just uh, get their uh, lines right, as it were, uh, defensively, like they have been doing throughout the start of this season, mm. um, I think they'll find that the Exeter Chiefs are not quite as excellent a side as they were made to look today. Mm. Um, Connacht were, to some extent, architects of their own downfall in that respect. Um, uh, it's easy to play fantastically positive rugby when the side you're playing against is showing all the signs of being poorly organised and having a bad day, people dropping passes and getting out of position and missing their tackles and so on, which has been, which, to be fair, is uncharacteristic. So in a perverse way, that's a positive, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, and with that, and with the way the pool is, Connacht have a bit of work to do get out of this pool, but everyone's won one game, everyone's lost one game, so you put it down to winning your home games. You're going to have to win in France as well if they're going to get out and get to a quarter-final. 
No doubt about that. That's going to be a lot easier said than done now. I mean, we, we, we were denigrating La Rochelle, if you like, for their apparent lack of interest in the competition given the side they sent over uh, to the sports ground having said that there will be an entirely different proposition at home in front of their own adoring crowd and their adoring fans Um, the French sides traditionally uh, always target their home games and try to make their home uh, stadium into a fortress it's a bit of a cliche but the French really do go for that so the, the two French games away are going to be terribly difficult yeah, and Bayonne did that then as they kind of they, they had a pitch invasion I heard on Exeter Radio when they when they won against Exeter and then they go and lose by 10 points to uh, La Rochelle but yes, in bigger picture like while the Pro 12 is the main aim it'd be great to see Connacht in the knockout stages in April and, and just having another competition on, on the on the crosshairs as well yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's the kind of eternal balancing act of, of these teams who are involved in domestic leagues and in European Cup competitions. Mm. You know, at, at what point do you do you decide one is more important than the other? You know, um, one like of the things... Toulouse think the European Cup is more important than the, than the French Championship these days based on that big result, but anyways, I digress. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for each team, it's different, you know. Each team invests a bit more in one or the other. Um and I suppose uh, the point of it will come down to, you know, every time you pull on that jersey for your team, you know, and this is something that we mentioned is consistency. You know, every time you pull on that jersey, for, you know, the jersey of your team, you're representing the province, you're, rep- you're out there in front of your own fans. You want to do them proud, whether it's in, in a European competition yeah. or a, in a domestic league. Yeah, and we were talking about maybe a period periods in the past where we tried to balance it by taking a chance in fixtures, and, and results were so so poor, it really just took away from what we were trying to do on in other on other fronts, if you like. But we won't go back over that. That's too negative. Hey, listen, it's been a long day. I want to bring up one other thing. You said the extra fans, the supporters club, that mm. they really treated what, what was probably around a hundred Connacht fans today to a tremendous reception. Oh, absolutely. We we arrived in, and there was uh, a smorgasbord of uh, very food items and first we time had that a, words come in our podcast episode 8 yeah. are you sure I don't know you'd have to check back we'll have to go back to transcripts yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, no and, and the uh, a big turnout from their their own uh, official supporters club they had a their president and their uh, chairman etc there to greet us and say hello and they invited us all in made sure that we felt welcome and uh, even the fans in the, in the stand who weren't really particularly part of this official supporters club per se they they were a great crack they had plenty of uh, warm welcoming words and, and were ready to join in the fun um, that, that, that the Connacht lads were, were throwing their way Sorry, I, I lost. That that's important. First of all, second of all, I did lose track of what you're saying there because we've been waiting for a steak for a half an hour now, and it's been a long day. Okay, <laughs> we started. What time do we start today, Joe? Was around half two, three o'clock? Yeah, but I can. A.M. I should stress. Uh, but as far as the steak is concerned, as I can tell you, it's worth the wait because mine was delicious. Yeah, yeah. Joe's already eaten the steak, and the two of us are sitting here and we're looking at the. I think Joe will be boarding the plane, saying, "No, don't worry about those lads. They're they're done. <laughs> they're they're grand. Rob, can I have your keys? Yeah, we have to drive home tonight, so we started at three a.m. We'll finish at twelve midnight the following day. Tough time. About twenty-one hours on the on the trough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good. You know, good going from us. Congratulations, us. Yeah, yeah. We did well. Joe, last question. Ospreys next week. Can they turn? Like, does this disrupt their chances? Does this affect? Let's let's put it this way. From what, I, if I had asked you this morning, your chances in the Ospreys next week to right now, where Connacht have lost heavily and the Ospreys have lost heavily to Northampton. What do you think? 
the Ospreys are a quality outfit They're, again it's down to the depth of their squad and the resources they have available to them if Connacht can get um, some injured bodies back available to them mm. uh, and pick a stronger side than they would than the side that started the game today and without wishing to be overly harsh I think the halfback pairing uh, was an experiment that might be reconsidered um, and it'll just depend on how seriously they're taking the Ospreys game you'd like to think they would take it seriously to try and measure themselves against good opposition like that but then that's what we were yeah and we were hoping we'd see evidence of that today but unfortunately it wasn't the case so um, we did say earlier I think that what and we certainly said it during the course of the commentary that whatever about the score it was the processes and the performance that really was what would be of concern to them as a group and as far as that goes again going to the Ospreys looking for a result is one thing but a performance is what really is what they're going to be looking for and you know the, 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 the score will look after itself after that and whatever happens happens um, there's no shame in being beaten by a better side as long as you're competing at your best Yeah. and I think the frustration that people would feel after today would be that that was a bit short to their best Probably Job better done. than you, big man. Just Michael Swift. Probably feeling a bit better than you. Michael, you're on our Craigie Island podcast. How are you feeling? <laughs> I've had better days, bro. <laughs> you're still going, though. <laughs> That's it for this week. Uh, Dennis's final words are steak, steak, steak. Thanks, Michael. Take care. <laughs> Cameo appearance by Michael Swift. That's the level we've reached on our podcast. Next week, we're in Wales. Lads, thanks very much. I, I, I'm, I've decided um, I'm waiting here for the steak, so you can have my car keys. Rob, I honestly don't know what I've been saying for the last five minutes. I'm just thinking about my food. <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> <laughs>